What does a tick and the Eiffel Tower both have in common? Hmm. They're both parasites. Parasites. <laughs> They're both a parasites. They're both Paris sites. Par oh, Paris. Si <laughs> <laughs> it took him a while. See, that's good when it takes you a while to get it. <laughs> this is the distracted. <laughs> Don't get joking podcast. <laughs> Don't get distracted. <laughs> Welcome to the Distracted Driving Podcast. I'm Sean Genovese. And I'm Rex Williams. And this episode is a continuation of our conversation with our friend Stephanie Van Ash. And uh, if you missed the last episode, Stephanie works for a startup in the Bay Area. Uh, not the Bay Area. The uh, uh, Puget Sound area. Yeah. I, there's water. I know there's water <laughs> where she is. It's a bay somewhere here around here. Uh, the company is called Brink, and they make uh, drones for law enforcement. Make a variety of, uh, yeah, of products really for law cool enforcement. Stuff, yeah. All all unmanned. They make un unmanned phones. Yeah. Which leads one to ask, what's a manned phone look like? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> A anyway, not like a woman we, uh, phone. It's a little different. Sorry. We we left off the last episode. <clears throat> I asked uh, Stephanie a question. Uh, we are including the question at the beginning of this episode. But essentially, uh, her her career thus far has been in HR. She is an HR professional, and so I uh, I asked her what her most challenging HR role was. Uh, there's a lead-in right now, so we're going to get out of the way. Let's do it. Here's Stephanie. So, I man, that's yeah, that's interesting. So you were there for two and a half years, then you went to PitchBook, and then Brink um, plucked mm -hmm. you, plucked you to the Brink. So you did HR, and you, you were at Boeing, um, uh, then the other three different industries um different service offerings but you were still doing hr oh, what yeah. was the which one was the most challenging from an hr perspective i would say the job i have now is the most like complicated wild it's like everything coming together um and, really? and i've gone down this like funnel right so at boeing you know back when i was there there was something like 2000 hr professionals that served the entire boeing enterprise that was one of 2000 and then you know went to tv news and it was a small organization i was one of maybe 30 and then at pitchbook i was one of 10 and now i'm one of like five four people you uh, definitely uh it's, yeah, it's certainly a a, a progression bigger in a certain fish direction in there. Smaller isn't it? pool, yeah. No, she's the bigger fish. Yeah, and so I mean, I think I can safely say like I'm struggling in my job, and I think it's supposed to be like that. It's kind of designed to be like that. You know, there's areas where I feel very confident, like oh, I've done this before. Here's the answer. Here's what we should do. Don't even think twice about it. That's the 
benefit of experience. And there's things where I'm like, I gotta have to Google this. Like, give me a minute, and and <laughs> I need to phone a friend. There's just you can't know everything. Well, okay, so let's talk about that for a minute because. First of all, you use the word struggle. You are struggling in your job. Are you struggling or are you challenged? Certainly challenged. Um, and and then you said, well, you can't know everything. And, and you said it very nonchalantly. Um, but that is something that takes some people a while to figure out. And I, I think as... So the higher you go, you tell me if this is your experience, the higher you go in an organization, the the less you you will know in terms of specific, tactical, I don't know how to do that. I think that is by design. And the 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 better leaders that I have seen and and had the experience to work around, they understand that that's not their role. Their job uh, as the CEO, the CFO, the head of whatever is not to know everything. It's to know how to go solve problems. And, and you just you just described that too. You know, hold on a minute. I, I have to Google that. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you. I think in the larger established organizations, the you know top leader, let's call it the department leader, they need that humility, right? And and they've hired people, specialists to know the stuff or to run the projects and there has to be trust there um, and that humility. Uh, I think in what's maybe slightly different in my case is that I don't have that army below me. <laughs> like the buck stops with me at the end of the day. I am they, you know, like <laughs> I, am, I, am, I am five different they's at this point. Um, they're like, who's in charge of benefits? And I'm like, hey, hand raise, you know, and then oh, who's in charge of I, I need to update my address, hand raise, you know, like I am a lot of they's right now. Uh, how big's the company? So we're just about 100 people. That's a fun size. Sounds like fun. And how how long have they been around? So the bulk of our workforce was really hired in the last two years. Um, but our CEO, Blake Resnick, has been working on this product and this idea since 2017. Okay. So five-ish years uh, as a at least an idea. Maybe, maybe that's when he started the company as well. The majority of your growth in the last two years, uh, I think that's very typical as as well. Um, so you're you're getting to a point where you're you're too large for the CEO to just be relied upon to make all the decisions and to know everything. But you're you're not you're not a Boeing company yet. <laughs> so I'm guessing you know you're you're setting up some uh, you got to set up some processes you got to start figuring out okay where do we need the rules where do we need the guidelines is that if I captured that about right totally fair it's a it's a wild west in most disciplines in most areas and but they're becoming more structured right they're moving towards structure mm-hmm. and, and so is there a tension there. Um, do you, do you hear people talk about, you know, oh, well, we're a startup. We don't, you know, we don't want to lose that. We don't, we don't need more processes. We're going to lose our ability to just go make decisions. 
Absolutely. I mean, there are people who, you know, it's a personal kind of preference, I would say, right? Some people love like mass chaos, free, chaos or freedom, right? You know, there's beauty in the chaos, right? You get to create, you build, you fail, you prototype, right? You lean over to the person next to you, you quickly iterate. There's a kind of a, of a beautiful adrenaline and speed in that sort of uh, cadence. But the more people you bring on, uh, we, we need some kind of guidelines and rules and structure or else you maybe start to lose some of the efficacy. Um, and people want to know, like, what's the plan? Like, where are we going? When are we going to get there? And so, you know, there's some growing pains, right? People tend, I think, you know, I don't know very much about startups. I've only been in it for seven months. But what I've seen is that the further you go down the maturity line, people start to opt out. And those are the folks who love to go opt back in at that early stage. So it seems like everyone has kind of like a point where like, yeah, that's too much structure, structure and bureaucracy for me. Like I'm going to, I'm going to step out now. Mm. Do you um, work closely with the CEO and are involved in strategy mm -hmm. building and everything? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And like, you, and building like the culture uh, of the company. Yeah. Culture is a good one, right? Because so I'm thinking about like Boeing, right? At Boeing, you know, CEO would say, hey, HR person over there, go fix culture or go <laughs> make our culture board, right? And then he kind of kind of says like, yeah, yeah, leaders have a part, but like, I want you to push this thing. Um, I think I'm finding at, you know, at Brink, everybody really does impact culture. You know, it's, the person who walks in with a cheesecake because their fiance made a cheesecake well, culture just went like think about it was like way up it was like woohoo we got cheesecake yeah. today guys like it's great <laughs> um or maybe you know someone's dog died and everyone's blue All right so it's it just like swings up and down and it's so it moves around so much in a small team um mm. and it, it can be influenced too but i would say you know if i walked up say hey everybody here's our values you know, put them in action, go. They look at me like, are you crazy? Like, <laughs> so no values. Um... You have no values. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we actually do no, have values. So maybe that's a bad example, values. but I didn't create them. But I think, well, I think what okay. you're saying I'm is that, you know, you can, you can print the values on a, on a piece of paper. You can hang them up around the office, but the values Th those values that are printed there are not what drives the culture. Culture is a product of the experiences that people are having that then shapes their beliefs and in influences the actions that they take. So if if you've got somebody who, um, you know, like you said, the, the, the dog died, um, and and so my experience now is, well, I remember when my dog died and, and these these people came in and they brought me a cake and they they made me feel better. Great. So now I had an experience. I've developed some beliefs about my coworkers, and that's going to now in turn drive the actions I take in the future. And boy, that is absolutely uh, the, the magnification on that is a lot bigger when you have fewer people. Because the impact Absolutely. that one person has drives yeah. an experience for potentially everybody in the company. I think you, you said that a lot better than I did. And exactly right. You know, so we actually did have a coworker whose dog passed away this week and we sent them a little 
you know, goodie basket to like raise their spirits and said, take the time you need. And, and while in the moment that might've just been, this is what Stephanie does as a person, it starts to get baked into maybe the next time that something like that happens, somebody else will remember like, Oh, I'm going to send them a cookie basket and, you know, they should take all the time they need to not rush back to the office. And maybe someone else passes that on and then it becomes a part of culture, right? You know, it's how we treat each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. How how many uh how many people in a uh a formal management position do you have at Brink? Off the top of my head, something under ten, maybe. Oh really? And and uh, so of those ten ish, um are these people that were promoted into management after being after working there after being employees or did they hire in as a manager of something i would say most of them have been hired in um only because really we've only the bulk of our employees are just reaching their one year anniversary so there's not hasn't been a lot of time to accrue and grow but there have been a couple cases where we've seen a lot of effort and a lot of talent and we're going to make it right and put them in a role that suits them so the the motivation for my my question uh this is a topic that well it's a topic that Rex and I have talked about on on this and other shows uh the you know the the reliance on management and and leadership but it's also a, the topic of a class I'm teaching <clears throat> and and I was talking to the class about how a lot of times especially in as organizations get larger uh, the people that end up in management positions are the people that were really good at something within the company. You know, oh, you're you're really good at welding, or you're really good at writing code, or you're really good at designing little balls that are telephones that you can throw into a a hostage situation. And so then we we go, oh, well, now we we have a management need. This person's really good at doing X, so let's promote them uh, to be the manager of this team. Yeah. And then we just sit back and hope for the best. <laughs> and there's this function. this assumption. Yeah, exactly. There's an assumption that, well, you were good at this, so you'll be good at that. And But we don't give you any training on that. So I'm curious. Um, it sounds like that hasn't maybe happened yet at, at Brink. You guys aren't quite that big. But you've been around the HR uh, merry-go-round for a while. Um, what are your thoughts on... Do you see, you know, companies do that well? Do they do it poorly? And, and how do we change the status quo there when it comes mm. to promoting people into management and making sure they're successful? I'll see if I can give you kind of two different answers. And, and the first one is from the perspective of somebody who wants those opportunities, right? So I think that, you know, one of the common themes that I see across the rising millennial workforce is some of them are already in management, right? Maybe what they call the older, older millennials are already in management and director positions. Um, and some of the younger millennials are eagerly fighting and trying and figure, how do I get there? Right. They want to get there. So they really want that shot. And, you know, where I've seen teams take a shot and, and say, you're kind of junior, but you know, maybe you're the technical expert. Um, we'll put you in the position. It's hard because if you don't have management experience, the only way to get it is 
by having the failure moments, right? And by tripping mm -hmm. and by, you know, firing your first person and, and using the wrong script and saying things that are making your HR person cringe. You have to go <laughs> through those moments of just like kind of being messy, uh, messy learning and get that experience to become that future leader that yeah, I want to go hire this experienced leader because they know what they're doing. Now, I truly think that organizations need both and mm. they need them in the right places. So now I'm pivoting to more of like, how would I design it? I, I would love to, you know, I think the ideal organization has spots for both. Like I probably wouldn't hire a first time, you know, a finance person into a, like a head of finance role. There's just too much risk there, right? I don't want mm. someone who's like, can you tell me what a, what a, you know, balance sheet looks like? I'm gonna like pull my hair out, right? So <laughs> this is not a learning spot. But yeah. maybe a first time manufacturing leader who shows a lot of promise and who's a great people person and knows the product, that's a great spot to say, like, let's turn your technical expertise and put it in a spot where you can coach others on what you know, what you know, and all the stuff, you know, and mm -hmm. if you have a great HR person or either great next level management, like they'll provide the rest of it. Like the, here's how you fire somebody. Like, here's how you coach someone when they're not performing. Um, how do you recognize somebody like, hey, I noticed you never, you know, pat your team on the back, like, maybe try that out next week. So I think that's where like the support system really comes in. You don't want a team of all newbies. And I think there's a lot of, you know, lost, um, you know, value in having a team of all experts too, right? Because they're just like, I'm just going to put my playbook in and, and fall asleep and run. Mm. That is great. I love the uh, messy learning I think we need more of that and, and space to do that where, you know, a mistake isn't going to you know, cripple the company, but, you know, it'd be fine. I like to say that there are very few things that can't be undone from a business perspective. So mm -hmm. why not let people go through the door? They can always walk backwards, like nine times out of ten. Yeah. Well, may maybe eight times out of ten, but... Um, yeah. So, okay. You got to give them space. And, and then I think what I, what I heard you say there, um, you, you give them the space, but then you, you have something in place or somebody in place that's there to, to help them pick the door that they need to walk through or after they've walked through the wrong door to, you know, who grab them by the, the scruff of the neck and pull them back. Uh, which I guess, uh, I don't know, may maybe we're designing the new Brink uh, promotion process here on the podcast today. <laughs> I like it. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> and there is more to come from Stephanie. If uh, you just can't wait, though, uh, I would like to remind you, and so I will, that uh, you can find the Distracted Driving Podcast on our website at www.distracteddrivingpodcast.com. You can find us on the Instagram at Distracted Driving Podcast. You can find us on YouTube at Distracted Driving Podcast. What the heck else are we on? Um, Didn't you put us on Spotify and oh, some of those others? Right. Yeah. And you can listen to the podcast episodes. Uh, oh, That's so we have a Facebook page. That's right. We're we have all a Facebook on Spotify page. these days. Uh, Facebook.com, uh, Distracted Driving Podcast. 
And then, yeah, I, we're on iTunes. Spotify, iTunes. Um, yeah, big stuff. Big time. iHeartRadio, maybe. Is that a thing? Um, pretty yeah. much wherever podcasts are given away for free. Stitcher. I think SoundCloud. we are on Stitcher. We should probably know these things before we yeah. actually. <laughs> we just tell everybody we're out. everywhere, and they're not going to find us. <laughs> so um, the point is, you can find us on a variety of platforms. If you do a search, um, we have been putting out some uh, some clips, some small clips on Instagram, which are nice because you know we try to make these episodes bite sized. Yeah, but not too but long. Really, the the That's episodes are more up. like they're more like a light meal. The Instagram stories, though, the reels, those are bite-sized. You can just put those oh. in your hand, carry them around with you, pop one in whenever you want. <laughs> and eat them. <laughs> okay. How's can they that eat the Insta reels? Okay. <laughs> so uh, check us out. Leave us a we, – we love to uh, respond to comments. Um, but when we respond to comments and there's no comments, then we're just talking to ourselves. <laughs> and then people think we're before. crazy. And um, and make no mistake, we are crazy, but we don't want people to think that. So, uh, tell you what, we'll go research what platforms we're on, and we'll tell you at the beginning of the next episode. <laughs> In the last part of our conversation with Stephanie, uh, she's going to introduce us to a leadership development methodology, yeah. uh, which she came up with. So stay tuned, and we'll see you next week.